praise the lord uh, i will spend a few moments doing a recap of what we did last month and in case you are joining in today uh, and you missed last month when we did the the first part of the series we are doing a series called transformed god's goal for our life is not that we will be changed cosmetically god's goal for our life is that we will be radically changed and that's why the word transformed and this word is taken from romans 12 and verse 2 where it says don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and a good way to capture the word transformed is that word that we study in biology called metamorphosis and what it means is how a caterpillar is changed to a pupa and then finally to a a butterfly and there is absolutely no semblance between the caterpillar and the butterfly they look totally different and that is god's goal for our life that we will be transformed in various facets of our being and the first facet that we covered a very important facet is our spiritual life and in our spiritual life we spoke about seven things to do for us to be spiritually healthy and in case uh, you've heard it you were there this is just to help recap what we have studied so number one uh, if we want to be spiritually healthy we must love god supremely that means the bible talks about loving god more than our parents more than our spouse more than our children uh, learning to love god above everyone else and that is the starting point of learning to become spiritually healthy number 2 we must meet with god daily we are not sunday christians we are not christians who just uh, worship on easter or on christmas for us uh, our spiritual life is something that is, has got a daily aspect to it and if you notice in the bible there are many places where that word daily if you will take up your cross daily and follow me so daily is an important part meeting with god daily it's not about the duration of how long you meet but it is about being consistent in meeting with god on a day to day basis number 3 we spoke about the importance of studying the word and then doing it just studying god's word is not good enough we just don't want to know it here and live absolutely different from what we know but to study the word and then finally to be able to do it number 4 we spoke about the importance of honoring god with our substance with our wealth whatever god entrusts to us we must learn to honor god and in the bible we read about first fruits uh, we read about giving god the very best that we have and to start with god to you know when god blesses us with finances and we will come and say god you are the source we honor you with our wealth in fact when we give our offerings on sunday mornings we would do it cheerfully not as an obligation uh, but as an opportunity amen not as something that oh what to do i have to give uh, god is not like a a tax a collector waiting there to pound you on your knuckles we don't give because it is a compulsion we give because we love god amen and when you love you don't measure you give cheerfully you give gratefully to god amen So number 5 we spoke about how we must learn to love other believers. So loving God is one part of being spiritual, another part is loving fellow believers. And to remember that 
there are people from different walks of life. The church is one of the most diverse, uh, you know, a place where diverse kinds of people come. Is that true? From all walks of life, all types, all backgrounds, and then to learn to love them genuinely. And that's a prayer you must pray. God, I want to love people genuinely. I want to love you passionately. I want to love people genuinely. And number six, in order to be spiritually healthy, you cannot keep receiving and not give. Is that right? If you keep eating, 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 consuming, and there is no output, what happens? We become obese, correct? So spiritually, that's what will happen. If there is no ministry, all of us must be serving. Another word for ministry is the word service. And so to look for opportunities in the workplace, in your neighborhood, uh, in the people that are in your sphere of influence, to look for opportunities to serve people unselfishly. In other words, no expectations in return. I serve you because Christ asked me to serve. Amen. I'm not expecting anything back from you. And when you serve in that fashion, people stop and take notice. Why would they do that for us? They're not connected to us. There is no reason for them to do that. Because in the world, when people serve, there is always a motive to it. True, false? Yes, yes. But in the kingdom, when we serve, we serve because we love God. And so there is no motive. And we, uh, I teach a course called Spiritual Formation and... SABC, and in that we teach uh, the aspect of random acts of kindness. Random acts of kindness. In other words, look for ways to be kind to people. And uh, it need not be uh, because there is a reason to do it. Do it because God has been kind to you. Has God been kind to you? Yes. Has God been gracious to you? How many of you can admit that many of the things you received, you didn't deserve it? Anybody? Anybody? Yes, yes, I see several hands. And I feel the same way. Many of the things that I enjoy today, it's not because, you know, I worked hard. There are people who worked harder than me. It's not because I'm smart. There are people who are smarter than me. It's not because I've been the, the best, you know, child of God. Not really. There are people who have been walking more consistently than I've been walking. But God has been gracious. Amen. Not because of what I have done, but because of who God is. God is a loving God and a gracious God. And we as the people of God must be gracious too. So to look for random acts of kindness, to look for opportunities, to surprise somebody, to go the extra mile, uh, to see somebody and say, okay, you know what, I'm going to detour just that I can make your day comfortable. I have a few minutes, it's not going to make a big difference. I'll drop you, I'll go the extra mile. And when you do that, you are serving people unselfishly. And then number seven, very, very important part. To learn to share the good news and to pray consistently. Lord, give me opportunities so that I can share what you have done in my life. So seven things, and uh, that was just recap. If you thought that's the message, not really. I'm not even started. I'm going to start right now. Okay. Let's talk about today an important aspect of our life, uh, mental health. In fact, based on the study Today I should have been doing physical health, but I prayed over this and I felt led to do mental health and uh, emotional health first before I touch upon physical health. So God willing, uh, this month we do mental health, next month we do emotional health, and then the following month uh, we will talk about uh, physical health. Not that it's, it's less important, 
but I just felt led. This is what we should be doing today. Let's talk about mental health. God wants us to be healthy in our minds. Do you know that your mind is a very important part of you? Yes? I read this statement and it's powerful. Whatever gets your mind, gets you. Write it down, please. Whatever gets your mind, gets you. So if anybody can take control of your mind, they have control over you. Have you met people under the influence of alcohol who kind of walk weirdly, talk weirdly? Yes, no. Have you met people like that? What has got them? Alcohol has got them. And the moment alcohol gets them, Alcohol gets them to do things that they never intended to do. To behave in ways that they never intended to, to behave. Whatever gets your mind, gets you. Let's look into God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. Today's topic is transformed in my mental health so that I can be healthy in my mind and if I'm healthy in my mind, I'm able to do greater things for the kingdom of God. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, as your word is proclaimed, please do a deep work in our lives. Transform us in our minds. Speak to us through your word and through the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want you to notice that phrase, take captive every thought. The imagery is of warfare. To take captive the imagery, the picture that the Apostle Paul is using Weapons, warfare, take captive. The imagery, the, the picture that he's trying to paint is of warfare. Now when we're not talking of warfare in the present day, but we are talking about warfare in ancient times, when it was one-on-one -on -one con, uh, combat, correct? And so you take captive, you capture, and you take back your enemies. And that's the picture that is used to take captive every thought. In order to be healthy in our minds, there are five things that we must do. And so I want to talk about five areas. How to protect our minds. Because if our mind is protected, we can accomplish what God has called us to do. If our mind is affected, disturbed, then many times we will never reach full potential. God wants us to reach full potential. And in order to reach full potential, 
guarding our mind is very, very important. Five things for us to remember about the mind. Number one, this is not very encouraging, the first one. Don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything you think. Number one. So write it down, please. Don't believe everything you think. Do you know that we have an amazing capacity to lie to ourselves? True, false. Be honest with yourself. Yes. We have the capacity to magnify problems. Sometimes we think of the worst possible scenario. Yes. We magnify our problems. We, we exaggerate things in our minds sometimes. We make it look worse than what it is. And sometimes we make it look better than what it is. But we have this amazing ability to deceive ourselves with our thoughts. Have you ever been fearful about something bad going to happen and it never happened? Yes, has that happened to you? Yes, let's say a loved one uh, does not contact you. It's getting late coming home. Have you thought some of the most scariest thoughts possible? Yes, no. Has that happened to you? Yes? Let's say the phone battery is drained out. There is no way for them to get in touch with you. And now you're thinking of all the possibilities of things going wrong. Has that happened to you? So don't believe your mind. Everything that your mind tells you is not true. We all have blind spots. We all have parts in our mind and because of our upbringing, because of our background, because of the things we have heard, things that have been said to us, there is this amazing capacity for us to lie to ourselves. So don't believe everything that your mind tells you. In fact, some of your thoughts are outrageous. Have you ever wondered about some of your thoughts? They are so bizarre. You know, if people started projecting your thoughts on an overhead projector, you wouldn't know where to hide. You would be praying like Kora, Datan and Abiram were swallowed by the earth, that the earth would open up and that's our mind for us. Our mind has amazing capacity, but it also is affected because of the fall. When we talk about the fall, we are talking about a historical event that happened in Genesis 3 when human beings rebelled against God. And since then, there is that propensity that proclivity, that pull towards that which is wrong. So we don't have to teach anybody to do wrong. We tend to do wrong naturally. To do right, we have to train ourselves. True, false. Have you seen little children? You don't have to teach them to get angry. You don't have to teach them to lie. Do you have to teach children to lie? Anybody? Have you taught your kids to lie? Never. We always teach them to tell the truth. But when the time comes, they just lie. Yes? Yes? True? False? That's because we don't have to teach them to do wrong. Intrinsically, there is that capacity to do wrong. So the first thing is don't believe everything your mind tells you. In fact, I want you to give you two scripture references for you to keep in mind. Romans 8, verse 6 and 7. I, write it down please and I will read it for you. The mind governed by the flesh is death. 
the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to god it does not submit to god's law nor can it do so romans 8 verse 6 and 7 our mind when it is governed by the flesh when we talk about flesh we are not talking about this flesh physical we are talking about a fallen nature a nature that is in rebellion to god that has the power to control our minds and when our mind is governed by the flesh remember it is hostile to god so we end up doing things that are not pleasing to god think of the word hostility hostility means enmity that means whatever god says we do the opposite you know in romans 7 the apostle paul talks about it the things that i want to do i don't do the things that i don't want to do i do and then he uses that imagery of oh wretched man that i am who will deliver me from this body of death and the picture used there is in the romans were known for torturous ways to execute people they would execute people in different ways and they knew how to cause maximum damage when they killed a person from crucif they invented very devious ways how to crucify hurt people and to do it in a very uh, very terrible way so that it will remain that that picture will remain one of the ways they would execute people is they would take a person and tie that person against a corpse mouth to mouth eye to eye hand to hand tie them up and leave them to die the maggots from the dead corpse would start eating into the live person as a torturous way to to kill somebody and the romans were known for their ways of executing and that's the picture that the apostle paul is saying oh wretched man that i am who will deliver me from this body of death and so just for us to realize that we have a mind that can be governed by the flesh or we have a mind that can be governed by the spirit when it is governed by the spirit it produces life and peace when it is governed by the flesh it produces death and so that is what the apostle paul is saying so i want the first truth for us to remember is the fact that don't believe everything that we think just because we think something may not be true uh, examine whether that thought take captive every thought to the obedience of christ take captive capture every thought so when a thought comes into your mind don't just act upon it filter it see if it matches with god's word if it is contrary to god's word then that thought is not from god think about it this way you know peter makes one of the most amazing declarations when peter is uh, asked this question by jesus at caesarea philippi who do you, who do men say that i am then he goes on to say who do you say that i am and then he says you are jesus christ the son of the living god and right after that the next thing that the lord jesus talks about is i'll be going to the cross the son of man will be uh, crucified persecuted 
will be uh, delivered into the hands of the authorities and finally killed. And the first response of Peter is, you should not go. That is not right. And the next moment, after praising Peter, Jesus, what does he do? He rebukes Peter. And he says, it's the devil. Just think about it. So our mind has the capacity to deceive us. So don't believe everything our mind tells us. We need to be able to filter, to discern. This is of God. This is not of God. Number two. Guard. We need to guard our minds against garbage. Guard our minds against garbage. Have you come across in computer terminology, GIGO? Have you come across this phrase, GIGO? It's an acronym. Garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. You know, our mind has to be fed. Just as our body has to be fed, our body is fed through food, our mind also has to be fed. And there are three levels of brain food. And I, I hope you capture this. There are three levels of brain food. There is toxic food, there is junk food, and there is wholesome food. I'm not talking about real food, I'm talking about brain food. And I want you to ponder on this. Maybe, have you come across this expression, brain food? Anybody? Have you come across? I, I came across only when we did this series at, at our seminary. That's when I sat up and noticed it. I, I never really pondered on this. There is something called as brain food. Your mind has to be fed. And there are three levels of brain food. There's toxic food. There is junk food. And there is wholesome food. Let's talk about toxic food. There is food that can really scar our mind. Uh, I just want to pause here and talk about entertainment. We live in a world of entertainment today. Yes? There's entertainment, ways to entertain ourselves in multiple ways. Today, you know, with a smartphone, you can keep yourself engrossed for hours and hours together. True, false. As long as your battery holds, you're doing good. And when our battery runs out, we have a power bank that is fully charged. We are ready, you know, to keep ourselves engrossed with things that will keep feeding our minds. And we are constantly feeding our minds with either good food or with bad food. And two levels I want to talk about. One is toxic food. Anything to do with the occult is toxic. You must be coming across the horoscope in newspapers. Have you seen it? Yes, no? Uh, okay, you may see it in magazines, you may see it, uh, you know, you'll see videos, forecasts, channels. Anything to do with the occult is toxic. Anything to do with content that is explicitly sexual in nature is toxic. Pornographic material is toxic. The images that we are exposed to, it can remain in your mind for a lifetime. Are you with me? Yes? And so that is something we need to guard our mind against. We live in a world that is X-rated. Today, all kinds of ads pop up 
all kinds of, of things come in our computers, our phones. Sometimes a very innocuous ad can have things that are not uh, appropriate. And sometimes you feel embarrassed because your kids are in the room, you're watching some you know, IPL or something and then something bizarre comes up and you're wondering what in the world, you know, the, the kind of advertising that is happening, it is basically to titillate, to kind of get you to think in a different way. Are you with me? So there is toxic food. Then there is junk food, empty calories. Have you come across entertainment that can keep you engrossed for hours together, but it does nothing to you? Yes, no? Some of the soap uh, operas that you watch, you know, it just has got no story. It just goes on and on and on and on. And it goes, you know, I don't know how many episodes they create. And sometimes you're sitting and watching it, you're not really taking in anything, but you are just killing time. That is what I call junk food. You know, it can just eat your time away just like that. And then there is wholesome food. There are things that we can learn. There are things that can stretch our mind. There are things that, you know, cause us to progress. Things that inspire us. Things that push us in a direction. So there are three levels of brain food. Number one, toxic, junk, and wholesome. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 and verse 8, he says, that which is pure, that which is noble, that which is of good report. Can you turn to Philippians 4 and verse 8? If you can just read it. Somebody find it please and read it for us. And yes, go. Okay. Think, ponder, meditate. Another word for the word meditate is the word ponder, ruminate. To go back and think just of virtue. There are good things that we can ponder on, to think about. And that is something that has to become a discipline in our lives. As a matter of principle, there are certain things that I, I refrain from watching. Too much of violence in an entertainment, any, uh, it can be a movie, it can be anything. If there's too much of violence, I don't want to watch it. Why? What you watch, it will affect you. Yes? Horror movies, I do not watch as a principle at all. Why? When you, in this, you inject fear into your own life. It's like taking a big injection of fear and putting it into yourself and saying, you know, I'm going to be fine. Uh, and it's going to affect you. So to, to be careful, to guard our minds, because there are two entry points into our minds, our eyes and ears. Are you with me? Two entry points. What we see and what we listen to, it has a profound influence on what we think. Yes? Have you ever watched something that created fear inside you? Yes? No? So make a choice. I'm not going to indulge in food that is toxic, food that is junk food. I want to eat healthy. There's wholesome entertainment. There is wholesome uh, comedy. And there is even very vulgar kind of comedy. 
for us to choose to be able to discern i will not consume everything that youtube throws at me i will not consume everything that the the television industry throws at me the media throws at me i will pick and choose what i need to consume is that right yes so to guard our minds number 3 okay one more scripture reference for this point which is useful is proverbs 15 and verse 14 okay proverbs 15 14 this is what it says a wise person is hungry for truth the fool feeds on trash book of proverbs very loaded book uh, and very powerful a wise person is hungry for truth while the fool feeds on trash so if you are feeding on trash biblically you are being foolish so that we will discern what we are consuming as brain food okay let's move on number 3 the third area never stop learning never let up on learning our mind has the capacity to to learn and to to grow so for us to say i want to continue to learn one of the ways to learn is to write down is to memorize to consign to memory the jewish people were known to consign scripture to memory if you look at psalms 119 it's an acrostic psalm we don't realize it when we read it in english or malayalam or tamil or whatever language we read it in but if you read it in the hebrew language every section alif bet gimel dalit that whole section 119 is the longest psalm that entire section started with alif alif is a in hebrew bet is b gimel is c dalit is d so that whole section and jewish people were known to consign scripture to memory what you feed into your mind has tremendous impact on what you do my father came to the lord at the age of 32 he was an atheist before he came to christ was born in a christian family in an orthodox jacobite home uh, but didn't know the lord after he came to the lord he started attending in assemblies of god church in calcutta dr mark buntain was his pastor and one of the things pastor buntain did when he met my father and was discipling him he said brother start memorizing scripture and my father took it very seriously so he began writing and creating cards where he would write a verse and he would take that verse and carry it with him as he went to work and came back from work so he kept reading it and that's the way and at the age of 32 you know your mind is not that agile to remember a lot of things you tend to you know when you learn things when you are a child you remember it for a long time true false but as we grow older consigning to memory takes effort but i want to encourage us to do this as a as a matter of principle to to say i will study the word i will memorize scripture thy word have i hid in my heart that i might not sin against thee this book of the law will not depart out of your mouth but you will meditate upon it day and night that you will observe to do according to all that is written there then you will 
be prosperous, then you will have good success. To memorize scripture and then to consign, to never stop learning. You know, there is no age where you can say, I don't need to learn anymore. We constantly can learn. True or false? In fact, sometimes younger people can teach us a lot of interesting things. And so for us to have the humility to say, you know, I want to learn. And uh, if you are constantly dealing with younger people, to learn, you know, things that they know. Now, you may have wisdom and experience, but there are technical things, there are things that they are adept at that we may not know. And for us to say, okay, I am willing to learn from anybody. And there are two primary ways in which you can learn. One is through reading. And that is a dying art today. We've stopped reading. Uh, we've gone into this whole thing of watching stuff. But for us to read, uh, when I look back, uh, most of my early part of growth in Christ happened through reading good books. I am so grateful for the books that I received uh, as a young believer and reading through that and growing. So I want to encourage you to get back to reading. Because when you read, God begins to minister to you. So pick good books, spiritual books, inspirational books, biographies of great men and women, and it will begin to impact you. I want to give you two scripture references about learning. Uh, intelligent people are always ready to learn. Proverbs 18.15. Proverbs 18.15. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. They are always ready to learn. That means you have the posture of learning. That's new. I want to pick that up. That's a skill I don't have. I want to learn it. And there is no age when we can come to a point of saturation and say, I know it all. We don't. In fact, the more you study, the more you realize how little you know. Yes? Yes? When we cr cross cross 10, we think we have conquered the world. And then we realize, no, there's 12, there's graduation, there's post-graduation. Then the more you study, then you begin to realize, oh my God, this is an ocean. There's so much to study. There's so much to learn. To be a lifelong learner. People who are leaders who influence, who impact people, are lifelong learners. They have this hunger to learn. They want to learn. They want to grow. Proverbs 10.14 Wise people store up knowledge. In the Bible, we have been asked not to store up some things. Can you remember? What are we asked not to store up? Riches, wealth. We are asked not to store up. That doesn't mean you should not save. You must save. There are, there's scripture reference for that too. The ant, learn from the ant. It stores food in, in summer. And then it has food. When others are not able to get food, the ant has got, got food. It's hard working. It knows how to keep food. But having said that, don't amass wealth. Don't be miserly with wealth. Use it when you need to use it. And use it for the glory of God. The Bible is asking us not to store up wealth. But the Bible is asking us to store up knowledge. The wise person stores up 
knowledge. And so to have that deep hunger to keep learning, to increase our knowledge in any sphere that God has called us to. It can be work-related, it can be uh, your vocation, it can be something that you are passionate about, it can be something that is a hobby, but to keep learning. So I want to say there are two ways for us to grow and learn. One I already mentioned is books. I hope and pray that you will invest in good books. And you will read them. Some people buy a lot of books, but they don't read it. Now, make it a habit to keep reading. Carry a book with you. Now, in India, we spend a lot of time waiting. Yes? You know, queues, waiting here, waiting there. And so, to carry something that you can read. It can be in Kindle format. It doesn't matter. But carry something to read. Because when you read, God is going to stretch your mind. Amen? And the second way that you can learn is through relationships. You learn through reading and you learn through relationships. One of my hobbies or one of the things I love to do is to sit with servants of God who are seniors. So if I get a chance, uh, if I have free time, I like to meet people who have been in the ministry for 40, 50, 60 years. And then to pick their brains. Are you with me? To ask them questions. To get to know about how they did things. To get them to talk. Because if you can get them to talk, you can mine a lot of information. You can get insights that nobody has ever taught you. Are you with me? Yes? So to, to be able to discern and ask questions. Asking questions is a sure way of learning. Many times we don't ask questions. We just listen. But for us to pause and to ask questions. But why did you do this? Or tell me more about that. You know, as you have dialogues, I have grown through these moments that I've spent with servants of the Lord. And that's been a deep uh, desire of mine, to sit with people who have been in the ministry longer than me, They've eaten more salt than I have eaten. Are you with me? That's the Chinese way of saying they are older than you. They are more experienced than you. They've eaten more salt than you have eaten. And so ask them. Ask them some good questions. Sometimes I've had the opportunity to sit with them and say, please share your story. Please tell me how you entered the ministry. Please tell me of at least few things that God has taught you over the years. And as I sat with them and as they shared, as they poured into my life, I received, I was refreshed. I came out with much more, uh, you know, uh, vitality in my spiritual walk. Amen? Amen? So, intelligent people, they always store up knowledge. You don't know when you will need this, but store up that knowledge. Okay? Never stop learning. Now, the fourth point. Renew your mind daily with God's word. Renew your mind daily with God's word. Do you know that your mind can get tired? Anybody? Yes, no? Have you ever been tired, mentally tired? Has that happened to you? Yes, yes. Do you know mental tiredness is sometimes more debilitating than physical tiredness? Yes, no? Physical tiredness, a good 
eight hours of sleep and you're back to normal again. Most of the times. Yes? But when you are mentally tired, fatigued, it can wear you down. I've met people who've had to quit their jobs, quit their careers, quit the ministry because they were so mentally tired, fatigued. They were just worn out because their minds were just totally uh, used, spent, and they had not recharged their minds. That word renew, do you know everything else will sap your mind except the word of God? Amen? Everything else will sap your mind. You read the news, it will sometimes tire you out. Sometimes I turn on the TV to watch the news and I see people yelling at each other. And I, as it is, there's plenty to worry about. And then I see them fighting and I say, okay, enough. Let's turn this out also. It's better to read the news on the phone today than to sometimes watch these channels. It's a shouting competition happening. Each one trying to shout at each other and outdo each other. And, you know, your mind has to be renewed. That word renew. Renew means to make it new again. Amen? The word of God can renew our minds. In Romans 12, 2. That is the key verse for this entire series. Renew your mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's the meaning of renewing? Renewing means to bring new vitality, to bring back life into your mind. There have been times in my life when I was so disturbed about my situation and then I read God's word and suddenly new life came into me. And I, my, my situation didn't change, but my perspective changed totally. Has that happened to you? Yes? Yes? So I want to encourage you to renew your mind through God's word. Take God's word and start reading it, pondering on it. It need not be how very long passages, but take even a small passage, ponder on it, reread it, think about it as you go through your day and see what it does. It will renew your mind. Amen? It will Cause your mind to be at peace. I like that verse in Isaiah 26 and verse 3 where it says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. If you want peace in the midst of a storm, there's like turbulence all around. There's a lot of upheaval happening around you. But if you want to remain at peace, Learn to stay your mind on, on God. When you put your mind on God, on His word, on His promises, your mind begins to stabilize and to get peace. Amen? When there's a lot of turbulence, there's a lot of disturbance around you for you to ponder on God's word and for you to calm your mind down. When you can talk to your own soul. In the, in, in the book of Psalms, I find it interesting that the psalmist would talk to himself. And we have stopped talking to ourselves. Are you with me? Have you read, read some of the Psalms where it says, when the Psalmist writes and says, Why are you disquieted, O my soul? Hope in God. Have you read those Psalms? 
He's not addressing somebody else. He's addressing himself. He's talking to himself. And for us to be able to talk to ourselves. So four things that I've mentioned and I'll come to the fifth. Number one, don't believe everything you, you think. You, your mind has a capacity to lie to you, to deceive you. So don't believe everything you think. Number two, guard your mind against garbage. And then the three levels of brain food, toxic food, junk food, wholesome food. Number three, never stop learning. Have the posture of learning. And there are two ways we can learn. Books and people, relationships, people. And so for us to even meet people older than us, younger than us, it doesn't matter. You know, ask them questions and you will begin to learn. Number four, renew your mind daily with God's word so that your mind is refreshed. New life is brought in where the things that kind of wear you down and, and pull you down, uh, that is dealt with and God's word begins to give new life, new vitality. Now I want to come to the fifth and the most important part. And I hope you capture this. And, I, and after this, we will go into a time of prayer. Let God stretch your imagination. Let God stretch your imagination. Do you know your mind has the capacity to imagine? Yes. Yes. One of the things that happens with us because of past failures, because authority figures have spoken negative words over us, because of discouragement, is we begin to come to a point where we begin to delve on negative thoughts. And God wants to stretch our imagination. I love that verse in Ephesians 3 where it says, Unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ask or imagine. Do you know you and I serve a great God? Yes? And he loves to surprise us. He wants to stretch our capacity to think. He wants us to think, to dream. Now it says, unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, you can ask or imagine. Some of us have stopped dreaming. We are kind of satisfied with where we have reached. And we are happy to remain in that spot for the rest of our lives. And God wants to say to us this morning, don't stop dreaming. There are things to be done. There are mountains to be taken. I like Caleb in the Bible. At the age of 85, he comes to his close friend Joshua. They were the two that survived in the promised land, besides the people who were 20 and under. He comes to his close friend Joshua, who's now the leader, and says, you know what? I've heard of the Anakims. Do one thing. Give me that mountain. You know, allot it to me. I'm going to conquer that mountain. At the age of, most people would be retired. They'd be, you know, thinking in terms of, uh, I should make a will and uh, I must, you know, close shop and I must make sure I, I, I pass on everything to everyone. But the age of 85, Caleb is able to say, give me that mountain. I want to take that mountain. And those are people 
who have allowed God to stretch their imagination. Think of Moses. The last 40 years of his life were the most significant years of his life. Amen? The last 40 years. So if you are middle-aged and above, and if you are thinking, I don't have much to do, my energy levels are low, my nest is empty, kids are out, and there's not much I can do at this stage in my life. I'm retired. I want to challenge you this morning. God is not done with you. God has something bigger than what you can handle. Do you know the things that God tells you to do is always bigger than you? How many of you know that? How many of you realize that? Because if he gave you a task that you can handle, where do you need God? You would do it yourself. But the tasks that he calls you to do is always bigger than you. The dreams that he puts into your heart. And young people who are in this room, I want to challenge you. Let God stretch your imagination. One of the problems with us, because we live in a nation that is overpopulated. There are few people trying, vying to get the same piece of the pie. We tend to come to a point of, I don't think I'll get this opportunity. There are so many people applying for the same position. I don't think I can get a decent enough job. I really have this dream, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. Listen, unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ask or imagine. More than you can ask. Have you asked recently? Have you imagined some big thoughts that... God wants to do through you. When is the last time you have imagined something that is bigger than you? You know, I, I pray for very, very big things. Some of the things I pray for, I'm afraid even to share with my wife. Because she may think I'm crazy. Are you with me? I share most of the things with her. But few things that I dream about. And they are kingdom related things that I'm praying about and dreaming about. But I trust in a, in a big God. And I don't want to limit my thoughts to small things. Now imagine if you went to visit Ambani. Somehow you got an appointment with Mukesh Ambani. And uh, you happened to meet his security officer. And you are going to him with a 10,000 rupee project. Uh, the security officer most probably will turn you away. Why? Why? 10,000 rupee project, the security officer can give that to you. Correct? You don't need to waste Mr. Ambani's time for that. When you go to meet Mr. Ambani, you better have a million dollar project or something big. Something that is gigantic. Correct? When you come to God, don't come with a limited dream. Come to God with, Lord, I want to reach full potential. I want to be stretched. I want you to stretch my imagination, my capacity to think. I want you to do something that is bigger than me, something that is beyond me, something that I would be able to testify about years later. Like Jacob could say, you know, I crossed this river with just one staff and today we are two multitudes here. That's what God can do in and through our lives. Have you reached a point of stagnation? Have you reached a point of discouragement? Have you come to uh, a valley where you are saying the mountain is too big? I pray that this morning God will stretch your imagination.
I pray that you will come to the Lord who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or imagine. Would you stand to your feet as we bring this time to a close? Maybe you are in this sanctuary today, worshipping, and the Lord is wanting to stretch your imagination for you. Would you come to Him and say, Lord, I don't want to limit you. I don't want to limit your plans in my life. I know the plans that you have for me are good. How precious are your thoughts concerning me? I could number them. They are more than the sands of the sea. God has good plans unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or imagine. For God to stretch our mind, to be open to the work of the Holy Spirit. Even this day as you head back home, that the Holy Spirit will begin to stretch your thinking. You would come to God and say, God, I want to be able to think and imagine and to dream and to expect you. I like that statement by William Carey. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. He, that's the order. It is not attempt and then expect. It is expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. I want to expect great things from God in my lifetime. I want to do that by the grace of God. And I want to attempt great things for God. So if you are saying that with every head bowed and eye closed, would you just lift your hands as an act of surrender to God and say, God, stretch my imagination, please. Lord, I have been thinking small thoughts. I have not been uh, coming to you with faith. I have not asked you to, to do greater things than what I can ask or imagine, but I want you to do things that are beyond me, things that are beyond my capacity, things that I cannot think of. I want you to stretch me. I want you to take me to places to do things through my life where you are glorified. Father, we thank you for these outstretched arms before you. Lord, we stretch our hands towards you with expectation, expecting you to do exceedingly, abundantly, Above all we can ask or imagine, forgive us for times when we have limited you with our negative thoughts. Lord, with our fears, with our anxieties, with things from the past we have held on to. And today we come to you and say, Lord, renew our mind through your word. We pray that we will continue to learn, to live and to learn from others. We will learn through books, through relationships with others. Lord, we will protect our mind from garbage, from things that are time wasters things that sap us of spiritual energy. We will not believe every thought, but we will capture every thought, bring it uh, into captivity to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we submit ourselves to you. We pray that this word will begin to germinate and bear much fruit in our lives. Transform our minds, O oh God. Lord, we don't want to be conformed to this world, but we want to be transformed through the renewing of our minds. Please renew our minds. Lord, I pray if there are men and women today who are fatigued, mentally fatigued, worn out, if they are tired with all the things that have happened around them 
I pray that they will renew their mind through the word of God. The word will enter and renew and bring vitality back again. A refreshment that is beyond uh, what they can get from any other source. But through the power of the spirit, quicken the word into their lives. Refresh them. Thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated.